what did you eat for breakfast? Ah, we had like a good old classic eggs and toast. Eggs and bacon. bacon. It was a full, we call it the two, 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 two special. special, we call it. Two of everything. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 130. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at taris-studios.com or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. Joining me for episode 130 is Sumo Psycho, who we first heard about in episode 113 with Daryl Hers. Matt and Sky graciously take time out of their vacation to talk about the history of the band, how they met each other when Sky was a pop singer signed with Capitol Records, and hired Matt as her guitar player. We also hear about the knowledge they gained from the corporate machine, touring with Britney Spears in the world of major labels, that informed them of how to run an indie band as a business. Finally, Matt talks us through his guitar gear, Sky talks about her various head injuries, and we hear just how much passion the guys have for music and the deeper meaning that fuels everything they do. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch, or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with Sky and Matt from Sumo Psycho. How are you guys doing? We're good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, man. You're welcome. Yeah, so uh, you guys, I got connected with you guys from Daryl Hers in episode 113 for listeners. Oh, cool. he, he actually requested, I, I usually play a song at the end. And he requested I play No Surrender at the end. So nice. that, was the nice. first, that was actually the first time I'd he- heard of you guys. But 
I found out that you were touring with Ginger, and you were gonna, you played at the uh, Gas Monkey, and I'm I'm just just west of Fort Worth, and I was gonna go to that show, but it got sold out so quickly. So I would have seen you then, but I didn't, unfortunately. How how was that tour? And that's one of our that's one of our favorite venues. We loved because it, it was yeah. Out, that's I heard the, it got that's shut the, down, right? It, yeah. Did it get shut down? We heard it got shut down. Uh, so Gas Monkey Live did. Gas Monkey Bar and Grill is still going as as I I think they're starting to play shows. So the but there was one's still good. Yeah, it was it's it was big, touch and go whether they shut it down or not. But the li- the live one, which is like across the street, that one did get shut down, unfortunately. Quite. That's good. Yep, GMBG is still going. So. Yeah, well, that room's awesome. But yeah. the fact that it's outside, the weather, yep. the river behind it, that's a great yep. bar. Yeah. It's sold out, beautiful weather that day. Ginger drew a huge crowd. It's that mm-hmm. couldn't ask for more, right? It was Yeah, it was, it was great, awesome. Great it was a great tour, that whole tour. Like, obviously, Ginger was such, is such a powerhouse band. And especially at that time, they were just, you know, upgrading venues yeah. as the, the sound tour is was good going too. on because they were just selling so many tickets. So, it was a really fun, exciting tour to be part of. and yeah, We met a lot tons of, of new people thanks to them through that, yeah. too. And great hospitality by the venue owner, too. That guy, he, he had this weird, like, um, he has this, like, gimmick that or game that he plays where he tells the singers that if you want to get a whole 26er of vodka uh, from the house, <laughs> you have to play your set, but you can't say your typical rock things like put your hands in the air or are you noise. ready to rock or make some noise. You have to try and do the whole set without saying all these like keywords that <laughs> and Sky's like, I'm in. Yeah. And at the end, he came, we, I remember he, he got the 26 or yeah. Sky didn't say any of the words that he was, she wasn't supposed wow. to say. We were pretty stoked about that. <laughs> I thought that was a neat game that he kind of came up with That's cool. for, for, for his venue. I think it makes you think about the venue too. When we left it, I thought it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so when I when I first heard No Surrender, I was like going through your uh your YouTube channel and I'm like, oh wow, this has got a bit of a, a skindred vibe to it. And then I found the video with Benji and I'm like, oh that's so awesome because I've been into uh I was actually into Benji when Dub War came out back in ninety five. Because I'm from England originally, so I saw the I mean I saw him with that band first. So I thought that that's that's so killer. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. I mean, you guys kind of started off doing the YouTube thing. Was that by design kind of to use that platform as a as a tool? Yeah. Well, Matt and I just wanted to throw some stuff out on the internet and we, we thought the best way to do that was just making a music video. Yeah, we weren't even really going to we weren't really going to make it a full band at the time. It was just okay. I had this idea that she wanted she said to me, "I want to do she it was she listened to the record Babylon yep. from Skin Dread and said, I want to do like a heavy girl fronted version of that kind of sound a bit. And we just made a couple songs and put them online. And nice. and we said, we really weren't sure if we were going to make, make a band happen. Mm. And it was about four videos in and enough fans starting to bug us that we realized we had to kind of make our first, make, album, make our yeah. first record or at least start playing as a band, I guess. Yeah. yeah we, uh, we really were just a, an idea of kind of more of an online project. And even though Matt and I are both performers and love being on stage, it was more of uh, something we thought we were just going to do online and, and mm-hmm. try for fun. And then when things kind of, you know, got to a certain level, we got asked to play a few shows and, and things were pretty fun. And then we did some fest, like the Indie Week Festival with Daryl and that really projected our career. Yeah, Daryl. So certain things yeah. that we did that were like okay i guess that means we have to do another year of this or like right 
push this even further. And then we started to kind of get addicted to it. Yeah, like without <laughs> Daryl, actually, you know, going to Daryl Hurst, like we, that he's a perfect example. Like we never, we'd played maybe one or two shows before Indie Week was coming mm. up. Like and, the first Indie Week. And yeah, we the didn't very even first realize Indie Week. That we it didn't was even know. Yeah, we didn't know it was a competition. We just was like, oh, there's this Indie Week in Toronto. Let's sign up and try to get our, a little exposure. And uh, we played it and they called us the next day and they, said, we won get our to little go round. To the we next won round. round. And we said, what do you mean a round? And like, we didn't realize we had to like be prepared to play the next day. And our, our bass player had to work. And like, we were trying to f- scramble to figure if we could do the next round of this like indie mm-hmm. week competition. And so we totally screwed it up. Wasn't thinking ahead, but the next year. We didn't we even were, meet Daryl that yeah, time. But the, the next, next year we were like, we got to do this right now that we know the indie week is what it's about. Right. We attacked it properly, yeah. right? You can finish yeah. the story. If you yeah, want. but it was gotta work with me here. Yeah, no, it was it was great. <laughs> we had a even one of the stories that Daryl knows this too is that they called us and we were like all set to do our set. And one of the cr- judging criteria is like the crowd participation. So I had, yeah, I knew we were on super early in like a kind of a bar that was known to be a late night bar. And I called like all my friends in the area and I was like, everyone has got to get to this bar at this time to just like give us some support so we can like help our, our, uh, our numbers here. And they all weren't there when we got there and they said, Oh, you guys get to go on early. And Matt called me. He's like, don't come to the venue. He's like, they want us to go on early. And if you get here, they'll make us go on early. And we have nobody in front of the stage. Like no one's in front of the stage. So I was like, I can't get get there. I was like around the corner, just like waiting for the signal so that our proper <laughs> once it came around, all my friends came and we performed and then And then we won that night yeah, we and went to the night. next night <laughs> and we won the finals. And so it was a year later, and that's how we met Daryl in the first place. Yeah. Uh once we won the finals, he gave us the award and we were like, Oh, who's this guy? Yeah. And and from that day, Daryl took us to Ireland to do it there, and that was our first tour. So mm. Daryl had a lot to do with it. So did Indie Week. It was quite a big. Yeah, know. we just we also took the chance to do like extra dates in UK, even though the Indie Week was all about Ireland, Ireland. and and um, Limerick, Ireland. We thought the flights were already expensive enough to just get over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Daryl's paying for it. We better so take like, advantage of let's it. Let's just take a, uh, this opportunity to play a few more dates. We even played one show we met a bunch of like kids from college and they're like, Hey, you want to play our college? And like, we had no plans that night. So we like, just like did an impromptu show and it's nice. very like, just have fun and explore. And, and but that's a beginning yeah, of us. Very that's the first yeah. four years of us, like making some videos, not sure we were going to play some shows, got a couple good opportunities. Our very first show, we opened up for Hollywood undead and mm-hmm. it was just thanks to a promoter that knew who we were and was like, man, I have this band coming in Hollywood undead. Would you like to open for them? And I was like, when? And he's like, four days from now. We never even rehearsed. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, we got to rehearse, guys. We the show. It's like 800 tickets sold out. So it kind of was a weird beginning the way we started it. It was just a fun, a really just a fun, geeky idea that Sky and I had that has just expanded over all these years and we just keep going. <laughs> that's, that, that's fantastic. I mean, let, let's put it into perspective, though. I mean, you guys, like Sky... You you toured with Britney Spears, is that correct? You were a pop star as a as a kid, is that right? I don't know if you could call it pop star, but yeah, pop singer, pop singer. <laughs> and we start, yeah, I was signed to Capitol, and I did mm-hmm. a couple records as a as a solo artist, yeah. And Matt, I first met him, I hired him on to be 
my guitarist to play for me. So he's been that's along how, the entire. How, yeah, we met through Capitol Records, mm -hmm. and uh, by you know, she got signed to Capitol Records. She was so young when she got signed, and I got she hired me. Her per, her personally picked me just to play guitar, and and then uh, yeah, we've been hanging out ever since. You know, when it slowed down off Capitol Records, Sky just had this weird idea of like I wanted to do this weird band, and we've been hanging out ever since doing it. So, so where where did you kind of come from in in the in the music scene? Because I, I I read that you were in a band called Dodger, and it's kind of like a sublime type of band. Like, was that yeah? yeah. Was that a touring well, I, band? I and... Sublime everything they know. Actually, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was in Hamilton. I was in Hamilton, Ontario, Toronto, Hamilton. Like I had a little band called Dodger that it was like a yeah, similar to a Sublime band, doing reggae and rock and roll and ska. I'm heavily influenced by all of that, especially reggae, especially you know the ska, the reggae, and the urban rhythms, uh, calypso beats. Hmm. All that stuff really excites me. So that was all in my band. I was like, I was a huge fan of Bad Brains back in the day. Mm -hmm. oh, I loved yeah. what they did, and so it was just. And same with Dub Dub War. Like I was a huge fan of Dub War before. So the Dodger, when I when when I when I talk about Dodger, they were closer to Dub War than they were to Sublime. Okay. They were never they were never as Sublime. They were way more Dub War-y in a way. Sure. And I was big influenced by that. And uh, yeah, I just built that for a lot. So that's what our influence is with Sumo Psycho. It's like you know I'm into metal. Sky was into metal. She's into pop. I'm into reggae. I'm into this, and she's into that. And we just kind of like just kind of squeeze it all into it. And if you listen to Sumo, you can hear it. Like there's a ton of oh, yeah. reggae and ska influence, even though we're not playing reggae and ska, but there's all these influence under it. And you can hear the it's pop influence over sky and you can hear the metal. And the, and I loved punk. I grew up on bad religion and no effects and you mm -hmm. name it. So we just squeezed a ton of stuff together, man. That's, that's where we came from. Yeah. I was listening to uh, something off the earlier album, Fuel My Fire. Sure. Kind of sounds like a system of a down intro. In there, and, and you did. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, did, I saw a cover of um, which system? BYOB. That's right. Yeah, that that came out really yeah. good. Yeah. Thanks, well, thank man. You. That one was one of those ones. I think it was Sky wanted to do that one. Mm. I don't know whoever came up with it out of the two of us, but I was like, man, you can't like that's a that band's pretty serious to play this. We're gonna have to get it somewhat right, like really right. And we never planned on recording it. But when you're playing what we call like cold crowds, you're on tour, you're supporting a band, but that crowd doesn't know who you are. Mm -hmm. I think it's always smart to have a, one song that that crowd can connect with. And early in your set, you do so you do two or three songs and then you're going to throw in a small cover. Even if it's not the whole cover, you just throw it in so these people kind of get what you're influenced by. And they go, oh, now I'm starting to get what this mm -hmm. band is about. And we've always said we really are like, you know, no doubt meets System of Down half the time. It's like... Sure. This reggae rock dance hall thing meets this thrashy punk band. And that's what System of a Down is. System of a Down is, I think people say new metal this, but you can hear the punk in those guys. Mm -hmm. There's there's all this stuff behind it. And I, I feel like we kind of did the same thing. And and when BOIOB, we do it live, the, that was the biggest thing. It was like, it pops off, you know, the yeah. crowd goes There's this really great aerial and, video, I think of it, us playing Atlanta. And you can see the crowds kind of moving throughout the first two songs. Then as soon as we hit the BYOB, it's like everyone goes crazy. Boom, People yeah. are rushing Fearless. towards yeah. the stage. Circle pit start. And then we got them. The then it's like the, show is the rest of the show, their energy's up. They're ready to do it. So it does really help, especially on certain shows where people have no mm -hmm. idea who your band is. 
Yeah, and it came Absolutely. down to that point where eventually we were like, we should record it. Enough people kept saying, we go, we'd love to have a recorded version. I'd love to go home. And we actually didn't want to record it. It's just I felt mm-hmm. like it was enough people said that. that I was like, okay, we'll do it. But I think it came out pretty good. Yeah, we just so. recorded it in our own studio and mm. pretty live on the floor. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was great. So you, you've, you've done the DIY indie thing. You know, it seems like you do a ton of hands-on stuff. And I, I think I heard you say... Sky, that you in one interview you you really like a control freak of every little detail, and I love <laughs> I love all the visuals and and it it sounds like you've got this whole world going on that you're planning on like a graphic novel. It does seem like there's a shit ton of uh, attention to detail. My question is like what what did you take from the kind of Capitol Records experience that you've brought to you know the the this band I guess. Yeah. Well, being in the industry for so long and kind of seeing the behind the scenes of how business works and, you know, what things uh, were money was spent on that didn't really do well and things that money should have been spent on that wasn't. And especially going through the transition that I did from, you know, early 2000s when CDs were still being like sold, Mm -hmm. where record labels still had the, the budgets to like put into like unknown artists and the way they did to me, which was to me in some ways excessive and in some ways in the wrong ways that they could have navigated. And that's all hindsight's 2020, of course. Uh, But then seeing that transition of how they dealt with the new age of MP3s coming in. And I have this story I tell about the intern interrupting one of our meetings to try to like convince the A&R rep and myself how much we have to focus on the new thing it's going to be like mp3s and how much we just kind of disregarded what this kid was talking about because we're like oh but let's just like focus on the stuff we've always focused on and not really try to like jump ahead of the new technology and things Mm. like that so what i what i have learned through it all is that it's important to love what you do because no matter what level you're at whether you're on capitol records touring with britney spears or whether you're an indie musician that just does stuff in your garage like it doesn't matter what level you're at. If you're not loving what you do, you're not going to be, you know, successful. You have to be excited and, and youthful and less jaded about things to be able to like keep going and to remember what at the end of the day is the important thing. And that's music at the end of the day. And it gets, it, it gets tough in the industry sometimes with all these ideas of marketing schemes and all these different kind of ideas when it comes to like how to do image and your brain is taken off all the creative products sometimes mm-hmm. and all these other categories and sometimes you forget why you were there in the first place and i think i did feel at the end of the whole situation with with capital i kind of had lost so much business stuff got in the way constantly with lawsuits and this person saying i should be like this and getting mixed messages here and have to do interviews with somebody that was like rude to me and then me not being able to handle it and then i'm worried about that and it's like i, I should be doing music like all this mm. stuff is just is is periphery around it and uh so that's what made me step back and kind of reevaluate and just be like i need to feel creatively fulfilled again i need to feel like excited about what i'm working on or it's pointless doing all that other stuff and be in control for us because there was like i was i was on the sidelines being a guitar player at capitals at capital records and like as much as it's like incredible where they're the reach that they have and getting around the right tours 
the mistakes you see made still in such a big company because they're trying to run more than one artist, right? They have mm -hmm. like, you know, 20 to 30 artists they're probably focused on in that year. And when you see like a company that, you know, well, Sky went on this Britney Spears tour and no matter how amazing it was, there was the first month of the tour, they didn't give, they didn't have the merch ready for us. Like how, what kind of business <laughs> is that? We're playing in front of 15,000 yeah. people a night and there's nothing to sell to these kids. Like that kind of, yeah. those kind of mistakes are essential not to make. And we learn that we're just yeah. like, that's mm. crazy. Even a big company like that could make that, that kind of a mistake. And they, they don't care. They're in their heads. They're like, we're still getting in front of all these people. That's what matters. We don't care because we're going to spend more money marketing her anyways after this. Instead of going, wait a second, you can save money from not marketing her because you got her on this. Just get some shirts and the CD out right now because there's all these kids. Those mistakes are huge and we don't want to, we try not to make those things anymore. Yeah. And it really was one of those things that flowed over when we started building our own business here that we went, we just can't let that kind of stuff happen anymore, you know? Yeah, it really is. I think people really don't understand how much. Once you get to those levels in like, you know, being a priority pop artist at like a label like Capital, like everything is so deliberately planned, thought about every move is what your hair color is going to be is a big conversation to people. And that kind of stuff, I just started getting tired. <laughs> you know, I was like, it shouldn't matter what color my hair is if my music rocks. Like, let's just do this, you know? So I think it's different for because some things I take away, like I do love fashion. I did learn a lot about marketing and how to, you know, what strategies work to have a direct co uh, connection with your fans. I really loved the idea of the internet coming and helping me reach our fans directly versus having to go through numerous people to approve things before it got like put on a, a TV show or something, for instance. I loved the idea of just posting a, a vlog of myself talking to my fans. And I did mm. embrace that. And I think that some of those people stuck around even oh, until the tons sumo of them days. Did. Tons you know? of them. That's why we wouldn't even be a band if she didn't have that back fan base that was waiting for her to do something else. Mm. And thank God for all of them, because as soon as she, even with this being a way stranger project or a different outside of the box project or a little different than where she was, a lot of them had, or had, had grown a little bit further in age as well. And, and understood that sky wanted to go a little bit more in a certain direction. Right. And so they were the ones that first started as soon as sky wanted to make a first music video and put it out as sumo. It was those diehards that helped spread the word to get more people to know who we were in the first place. That's great. And hopefully you turned a bunch of people on to some really cool music too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is cool to see that people can be so open and accepting to when I kind of just came out and I did one video where I kidnapped myself to kind of uh, let people know they were in for something a little different than the old kind of version of myself that they had known. Uh, so it was, it was fun. And I think they actually like totally bought into it. And still to this day, they ask me like, Oh, was the other version of you? When are you going to let Sky out? Attic? That's what they say. When are you <laughs> yeah. going to let Sky out? When are you going to let her out? Yeah. We're like, never. Still in the cage. <laughs> right. That's great. I want to touch on one thing. You seem to uh, have a lot of head injuries. I saw a video in Austin where you hit your, hit your head on the stage and then you've got the video for Interceptor where you hit a ceiling fan. Yeah. So I think the ceiling fan hit her. True. Is it, I'm just I was just wondering like I, I heard the story about the video for Interceptor where you you know you, you kind of turned that into a 
a, a method to get promotion. your video out and yeah for promotion yeah. but then then i noticed the austin thing i'm like wait is there a theme going on here <laughs> Oh man! It's, From yeah. my point of view, there's a theme. It's called I've me gr- being. Clutchy. She's a klutz. She's super artistic. Her brain's all over the place, and she'll throw her body or her adventure into everything. She won't. She doesn't analyze the situation all the way. She just goes head in, like deep. Mm. And I'm like, dude, you gotta win. It's too late. And she's already done whatever. Well, Matt it is. has had a few fail videos. I've as had well. some fails too, so... but. He there's a it's couple still, online. We were talking about you. We're talking about you. <laughs> She's yeah. a bit of a klutz. The Austin one was really funny. The Austin one was really funny because when we first first rolled into the venue, a I think it was either was it the first time we played there? Yeah. I, oh, okay, it was the first time we've been there two or three times now. But anyway, when we rolled in, the first thing everybody did was go and look at the stage, bringing all our gear in, ginger, everybody's in, and the first thing everybody sees is this lower hanging entrance into the side stage and it's mm. i don't know if it says watch your head but it has a, it has like a soft caution thing. it has a caution something, something that helps it. you you're supposed to pay, pay attention to it either way sky before she went on we went on literally one minute a minute and a half is our intro before she walks on stage and before that we have a little powwow as a team before we walk on stage and the last thing we said to sky was watch your one head. minute and a half before one and a half minutes before was be careful when you walk on stage, you don't smack your head off this thing. And in one minute and a half, she forgot what we said. <laughs> and bam, just walked right into the thing and almost knocked herself clean. Uh, oh, it was with the Butcher Babies. That's yeah, what it was. And, it was point, yeah. and the not, Butcher Baby, uh, the drummer was just like, Chase, oh, yeah. man. And she came on stage. She was dizzy. Remember yeah, because I, I, I went into the big loudspeaker and I almost knocked it over. Thank God I didn't. Oh, yeah. man. But yeah. Wow. Sky's tripped and bashed her knees. Sky's had a ceiling fan smash her head. Yeah. I mean, I've hurt myself too, but I think out of the two it of us. It comes with the territory. I, I'm surprised I haven't got hurt more with all the weird stuff I do on stage and on your shoulders and all that stuff. It is what it is. Yeah. That's the whole fun of it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, going back to the merch stuff, though, it, it seems like you're um, – I, I heard you say something about going to the merch table, and that's like the most important thing. I mean – it it, de- it definitely speaks to being connected with your fans and like meeting them. And what I wanted to ask is now you're with a, a label again. I'm not sure. Uh, I, this will be a two part question, but I was just wondering if now we're with a label for the first time. So with the band, yes, I was referring to Capital, but right, yeah. I gotcha. I was just making a stupid sarcastic joke. My my first part of the question is: Did Skindred kind of influence going to uh, Napalm? But the other thing is, since you're so connected with the fans and doing everything yourself, like how difficult is it to let go of some stuff? We yeah. haven't. We have Sky has not let go of anything. Even when I try to make her let go of things, she won't. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know what you should be I doing? Think- you should be doing is interviewing Napalm and asking how it is to deal with this girl. <laughs> I. Unfortunately, I do want to know everything going on, probably more than most artists, because I know how the kind of system works behind the the curtain, so to speak. So I kind of have more in-depth questions or, you know, I'm I'm aware of the processes more of how things need to get done. And sometimes it could probably be like overbearing or it can be like, oh, that's great that she's totally on top of this and, Mm. you know, knows what's coming and things like that. But at the same time, it is 
there are things that are taken off our plate a little bit. Like for instance, we, I have never been one to be really great at keeping like contacts for all, for instance, you know, the PR and the interviews and that kind of thing. So having someone like Natalie help with that at Napalm is really great to keep the schedule kind of organized and all that kind of stuff. So we've done more interviews and had more press than we have as had a band ever, even though we're still in this lockdown, just because of the fact that we have that extra help and those extra connections. And so there are some really great things like that, that have really uh, been great resources for us. That, well, uh, I would say one of the main, the table, yeah. I'd say one of the main things we learned, especially from being with capital is that we didn't want to lose control and that, so you know, we, we, we talked to Fearless Records. We, we talked to, I could start naming off the record labels we talked to before Napalm actually and us came aboard. And um, our main thing was like, we just don't need anybody to actually tell us how to do it. If you just want to help us expand, if you want to market mm. us and get us out to your people, we don't need you to tell us how to do it. And we wanted to stay in that world. And I, it was one of our main conversations with our manager when we were discussing this deal. And also not signing into the wrong deal where you're doing like some kind of four record or five records for a mm -hmm. label. So Napalm uh, was straight up and was really good with us with that, where they, they, they know, no questions asked. They're just on to, into whatever sky comes up with as an idea. And we worked out a really good deal with them. So being with capital and seeing the mistakes learn made us get to a place where we, we wanted to go by ourselves for a long time till we're ready to expand, but we found a right company that goes, okay, we actually believe in it. You're expanding with or without us. We just want to be aboard and help market. And that's, I think that's a good relationship mm. so far. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it was actually, it wasn't just skin dread on napalm, but one of the, the Oh, I forgot that was even the, the main influence, the sorry, sorry. influence <laughs> was actually we are managed by Oracle Management, which is Des and Anastasia Fafara does sings in Devil Driver and Cold and Cold Chamber, and he's mm -hmm. uh, worked with Napalm in the past, had great relationships there, as well as the fact we were on tour with Ginger when Napalm was all able to come see us, another Napalm band, and mm -hmm. so that was another kind of connection we had. So sometimes things, you know, they work out where you start the universe in a way has a way of figuring out okay this is a good match for all people and you kind of the small world sometimes the industry right where you're just like Absolutely. okay that person knows that person okay that makes sense and that's kind of how it worked out thankfully for us but they also saw us in new york twice so they saw us in new york one year and for a whole year yeah. we went Two back years. and forth on phone conversations Being like when can we get more are we doing this yeah. are you doing that are you going to see us again are we we went back and forth sonia was a person there that she just left unfortunately recently but she was our main advocate right from the start she saw us about two years ago and was like we want you on napalm and it just went back and forth until two, when we were on the road with ginger they saw us in new york again and that was kind of real staple you know that kind of finished it off for us and made the deal so I'm sorry that was a long answer to a question with Benji. No, that's fine. Benji and Skindred, though, they've had some serious influence over us. That's for sure. Yeah, great guys. That's fantastic. So sorry, Sky, but as a fellow guitar player, I'm going to have to get a bit nerdy. What <laughs> what okay. kind of gear are you using? I, I know just you, you you've been with Mesa for a while. Are you a Mesa artist using a triple rack? I've been with Mesa for oh Christ since I met Sky almost. Uh, hmm. So how long is that now? I don't even want to say. It. I don't want to say it either. No, I'm just joking. But it's it's been about I've been about fifteen years or so uh, or more with Mesa. So like when Sky first got signed to Capital, she went out. I mean, it was obviously a huge signing. That's a big record label to get signed to, and we were on mm. big tours. So I met Mesa Boogie. That I met uh, 
guy named Tian and he just went, what do you want? And I just took a whole rig from him and I made sure I really nourished that relationship with Mesa my whole life so that they were always helping us. So when Sumo started, I called them right away and said, Sky's starting a new project. You know, can you guys help us out? I've got my own Mesa gear anyways, but when we're going across seas, anywhere I can help, you know, and that's what they've been amazing for is like every single European tour we've gone to mess has supported us and given us all our gear. And I was like, that was incredible. So that's one of my main contacts that have helped us gear wise. I also use a company called Dean. Now I've been up until mm -hmm. a long time. I was always just, you know, working on my own guitars, but Dean, I have to put it out there. Like Dean, Dean guitars sponsored us just recently. So that's going to be from here on in, it'll be mostly just playing Dean guitars. I, I shouldn't say mostly. I'm supposed to exclusively play Dean guitars. Mm -hmm. So I'll be using Dean's. I got a bunch of them at home. They're really cool. I was really happy with them. They play awesome. Uh, besides from that, I'm pretty simple with my gear. I use Positive Grid as well. Do you know that? It's, yep. a, it's called Positive Grid Bias Effects. I, be, I used mm -hmm. that on our last record. It was between Mesa okay. and Positive Grid to make our guitar tones and stuff, so on. But yeah, I'm not I don't, not too... Oh, and the other thing that I like, which I'll tell you gear-wise, is the I'm using the GE300, the Moore GE300. Have you seen mm -hmm. that? I don't know. That effects pedal. I fell into that pretty good about a year and a half ago because, you know, there's... You know, you've got your Kempers. You've got your, you know, Axe effects. They're all out there. But I, I find this Moore being made out of China. I don't know. They, they almost like they waited until all these other companies made their stuff and then went, what's the best of all of them? And then built a pedal that's half the size and half the price right. and put it all together. And I finally, uh, to me, I was stoked. I was like $800 for a pedal that does everything you need yeah. live. So I can tone capture my guitars, tone capture my pedals, tone capture my sounds. Mm -hmm. And it's in a, a nice metal pedal with a mm -hmm. nice wall and, and four different tone channels like that you can use simultaneously, like everything you need. Uh, and I was really happy that when we were out with Ginger, I was kind of braggy a little bit because Eugene... And Roman were axe axe men, like they got the axe effects, but like the oh no, they were on the helixes. And but I don't mm -hmm. know, like if you know, those helix boards are enormous. Yep. You just can't throw that into a backpack, man. Like it's too big. Where these moors, that's what somebody thought about. They were like, we're gonna give you the same exact thing, but you're gonna be able to put in your backpack. And so I, I think you're gonna see a lot of people playing those. But that's probably most of my gear that I love to use. I'm a Pro Tools guy when I record us, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Devin Townsend's the only one I think who has a signature more kind of uh, delay echo thing. It's like an ambient pedal that he has. He's got a signature one. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's a Devin Townsend signature thing. That's cool. I think Moore is a good product. I don't think a lot of people know, but mm -mm. the more and more with all the tech that's coming out, I think Moore is going to keep going like this because they're undercutting. They're they're being realistic mm -hmm. of what people should pay to get these right. effects to happen. No, people shouldn't pay the prices anymore. We can't make the same money, then we shouldn't pay the same monies that we used to, you know? For sure. So I think they're doing a really good job of coming up with good quality stuff for a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> you just Sorry. went, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Talking to her like this, she's, she's asleep <laughs> already right now. She's like, whatever. Man. That's pretty typical for the non-guitar players. It's like, <laughs> yep, yeah, okay. All right, so cool. I'll move on to my uh, my normal non-quickfire round questions. What significant negative experience have you overcome and what did that teach you? Ooh, heavy one. I don't know if we've overcome it, but I mean, Sky Sky being a, I don't want to mean to talk for you, but like being in a band that we're playing in a heavy community, even though we're not like a serious, we're not like your typical heavy metal band, but we consider us, we still love metal. We do metal stuff in our music. 
and it's not a complete overcome, but we've been fighting the battle since we started with misogyny in this community still that still happens. And I think Sky does a good job of dealing with it and still attacking it and just facing it head on. I do too. I get really pissy when I see men that still want to tr- treat women and not give them the oh, yeah. same respect that men deserve being in the community, whether everybody, I get it. Everybody has a certain palette. You may not understand, you may not connect with a girl voice, but it doesn't mean you have to start slamming them for how they dress, how they act. That has nothing to do with their talent to attack them for those kind of things. That's what they decide to look like or how they dress. I feel like that's been something we've been fighting. And I don't know if the word is overcome, but we stand up to it pretty good. Yeah. Is that, am I I I off saying that? I don't need to. No, I think it's, it's my whole life. I think it's ever since I was a kid, it was to me. And one of the reasons why I even started Sumo Psycho and to be able to explore more musically is because I felt like I was never taken seriously. I was always kind of like, oh, she's just like cute and can sing and haha, like singing the voice for Barbie. And, you know, I loved that experience, but like I worked hard for those experiences and I worked, mm. I've worked hard my entire life to be able to do music because it has not been easy sometimes. There's been moments where it is easier Still to Still not say, easy now, man. Yeah, it's easier mm. to quit and go, I'm not going to fight and get the rejection that I do every day because people see the successes. They don't see all the times that we tried to call someone and ask for an opportunity and they turned us down or we didn't get picked in the festival we wanted to be on or mm. those you have to be able to deal with rejection constantly and still feel like you're still good enough to get the good opportunities and keeping that morale especially in a time like we've been in the last 15 months where you don't see those connections with your fans that keep feeding you to keep going where you play a show and you get that adrenaline rush and you're like yeah i know i am doing this it's easy to feel a little lower yeah it's easier to feel Mm -hmm. like man I keep trying to push and push and push and I don't see the bank account doing this or I don't see the right. bigger shows. I don't, I don't see results for the hard work you put in. And that's can be discouraging sometimes, but that's where I have to re- reground myself and center myself and say how lucky I am to do, be creative and to, and have having had figured out a way to keep that as my lifestyle and how I want to like prioritize my life is to make art the centerpiece and then all that other stuff that can get in your head just try to like remember that that's just to facilitate the fact that I can do art every day so those are I think constant in internal struggles too that you've got to deal with on how you tackle your day or your life or your week and I think everyone can relate to that in some capacity Mm. and I think it shows a lot through Sumo Psycho's lyrics is is the feeling of always having some sort of battle or some sort of inner turmoil that you've got to overcome rise above uh take a new perspective a new way to look at life and uh and I deal with that a lot in our lyrics and I think that that's what a lot of people can resonate with that's fantastic thanks for sharing and yeah I think I think things are turning around for like misogyny and stuff like that because you, you see it in like the guitar community you've got people like nita strauss and and there's a bunch of really cool players that are coming out now and and i think social media has been kind of like the level playing field where you know where there was kind of like a gatekeeper keeping that you know down because of some asshole now social media is getting the really good people whether you know, whatever gender or or sexuality or whatever, it's all coming out now and there's nothing these people can do to stop it. So, but I still think you need positive role models and people to say, hey, still not okay. You know, fuck you. 
and just come out yeah, and just like think, counteract it. I think you're right. And like overall things are moving in the right direction, but I think that we personally, we've just experienced it more mm. than ever because it's been directed at us over the past few months. Like it's one thing to kind of watch it as a viewer and kind of go, Oh, but there's all these good comments or, mm. you know, this is kind of evening out on the playing field. But I think when you feel like, personally attacked in some moments where you open up your screen the first thing you see is like a negative comment about how you look or you know that you you know you just got signed because of the body you have or something like that that just gets under your skin of like do you not understand how hard I've worked to get to where mm. I am and that can kind of really get under my skin and realize why are there still people out there like that and it's important but we don't need them either yeah, like exactly. we don't no. fucking need them as fans we don't want them as fans we just want to educate them that they're fucking stupid for thinking that way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like you said. Absolutely. So, all right. So, twisting the question around, what major positive experience have given has given you the push to follow this journey? Well, I would say there's a lot of little amazing things that have happened. Some of them have been as simple as a fan just writing a a message to me about how it, a certain song has meant something special to them or playing, you know, a really awesome show where the, the crowd is just like super into it and you just feel that vibrant energy. You know, there's these, these moments that you just kind of look at each other and be like, this is sick. This is awesome. And, and you try to live in the moment as much as you can and cherish those things. Cause it is hard sometimes to always have the proper perspective when you're mm -hmm. in the game to remember how cool it is, you know, and how much, you know, it meant to me when I was able to, you know, meet Benji and then work with someone like Benji, who is someone who inspired me and how much excitement I had being on the same mm -hmm. stage or sharing the same festival as him and remembering like, that's how some people feel when they come to see a show or they get Dude. to meet you. And, and I forget that I forget to have perspective on that. Cause I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just a regular person, but you cried though. When you met him the first I, time when I met Benji, yeah, I was like, this is a dream come true. So she's a huge fan. So she yeah. was super emotional. That was it. We also got to play with him at Hellfest. No, it was uh, a hammer fast or something in UK. We mm -hmm. played a, we were opening way early in the day at like two o'clock and they were on headlining but benji still showed up at the park like early. seven hours early so he could join on stage with us and play mountains that that's awesome thing. that yeah. those kind of experience make you just think this is why we do this and mm. and it makes you feel good but from my perspective it's always just feeding off the crowd if the crowd is into what we're doing that's pretty much why i do it always like it's my so there's not one just point moment. It's every moment I get on stage, it's the same exact feeling. If I, if I get to perform in front of five or 50,000, as long as they're loving it, I'm in. I'm in 100%. Yeah, that's fantastic. Last question is, what does music mean to you? Oh, it's my life, me. I don't... Yeah. It's my soul. It's what saves me when I'm feeling the worst. Yeah. It's it's a super powerful thing we've been I having. I like to have good sex to it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a light on everybody. Um, yeah, we. I, I think that we've had this conversation actually recently with a, a few p different people about how powerful music really is as, as a mood alterer and how sometimes I'll forget how much, how easy it is to just hit that play button. And if I'm in a crappy mood, can you, it can almost like it's erase true. all mm -hmm. that kind of negativity in your mind. And some of the best freeing I moments I have are like just putting on a badass record in a car and just driving and just letting the music just like 
take you feeling like you're just almost getting a, a little bit of like a recharge or an energy, like the spark of life kind of gets back in, into your mind of like in, inspiration and excitement, you know? If I do whatever I do in life, whether it's good, bad, ugly, if I'm experiencing struggles, if I have to work a stupid day job, if the band quit, if I, when I, when I did work a really bad day job back in the day, anything you did with a soundtrack in your ear was fine. You take the soundtrack out, it always sucks, whatever, especially if you didn't like what you're doing. But you know what? Even the crappiest job, you put the right soundtrack in, you can get through anything. I, I, so I think music has a huge effect. It's the, one of the most important things, especially for people that have anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. you know, are lonely. Music can help you through it. And I, that's one of our biggest things. When somebody says what was monumental to us, I we get e emails not daily, but I mean, every couple of months we get somebody that we feel the way they've written their letter to us that we touched way beyond just being rock stars with them or rock rollers or whatever you want to fucking call it. Like we touched them in a place where they almost didn't want to be here anymore. And we mm. helped that. And that's huge. That's amazing. I think music is amazing that can do that to people. It is crazy how much power it has. And I do feel like humanity as a whole, as a whole hasn't really figured out the that the full potential of what mm -hmm. we can do with sound and music and really it can really change things so i'm excited to see where that takes us in the future fantastic where can people go what's the best place online to find out more about the band get in touch yeah we are at sumopsycho.com which is s-u-m-o-c-o-i-c-o -O -O. and you can also find us on all the major social medias and we're available send us a message find us facebook TikTok, Instagram. Yep, we're trying to create. We're Twitter. trying to create a new movement. We're asking all people not to look at anybody other than us for now on. <laughs> Check us out on Spotify or YouTube is a good place to start if you wanted to see all of our crazy music videos we make. So let's call it hashtag Only Look at Sumo Psycho. <laughs> But yeah, we uh, appreciate anyone who wants to check out the band. You don't only have to check us out. But... No, you only have to check us out. Trust me. <laughs> That's great. It's time for another drink. I'm empty. <laughs> oh, there you go. At the end of the interview, I'd like to play a song uh, by the artist I'm interviewing. So what what song can we hear? Because we already heard uh, No Surrender on episode 113. Okay. What do you want? Let's do Bystander. This is a, a song that we uh, released off of our new record, Initiation. And it was the first single we released with with Napalm Records on our side. And I feel like it has a good mix of everything sumo psycho. It's what we are. It. It's so what we are. If people want to know what we're all about, take a listen to Bystander and see if you can dig that. And if you <laughs> don't, great. then you've got bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the song that I, I listened to after No Surrender and thought, oh, whoa, really, really ton of Skindred influence and, you know, really dug it. So. Awesome. Thanks. Well, this has been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. So, you know, continued success and uh, stay in touch. Thanks awesome. for having us. Thanks, thanks for spreading the word. It. We really appreciate it. And thanks to Daryl Hurst. Shout out to Daryl Hurst yeah, if you listen to it. Thanks to Daryl Hurst. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. We love him. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, 
offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how the Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Sumo Psycho with Bystander. Bye, Stan.